Is this something where you're missing school, you're missing work, you're missing fun events because of the pain or the side effects? I mean, beyond pain, you know, the emotional side effects, the, you know, whatever else is happening. If that's impacting your daily life and the ability to do the normal things that you would do, then I think that's when it's time to go and talk to your healthcare provider. It's never a bad idea to talk to your healthcare provider about periods and hopefully your healthcare provider is asking about periods as well because that is a vital sign just like heart rate and blood pressure. It tells us a lot about what's going on in the body. Welcome to Back to Basics, a new series from the Women's HealthCast. Over the next several episodes, we will answer some of your most common questions about sexual and reproductive health and provide resources for parents and supportive adults who may want to start having these conversations with the kids in their lives. On this, our second episode, guest experts Dr. Ryan Lewellwitz and Dr. Paula Cody answer some of our most common questions about periods and the menstrual cycle. What's the average age when people might get their first period? Why do we experience cramps or acne or emotional changes around our periods? And when to talk to a doctor if pain or heavy bleeding is disrupting your daily life. Dr. Lowellwitz is an obstetrician gynecologist in the UW School of Medicine and Public Health Department of OBGYN. Dr. Cody is a pediatrician with a specialty in adolescent medicine in the UW School of Medicine and Public Health Department of Pediatrics. From the University of Wisconsin Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I'm Jackie Askins, and this is the Women's HealthCast. I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Brian Lowellwitz from the Department of OBGYN and Dr. Paula Cody from the Department of Pediatrics back to the Women's HealthCast. Today, we are going to talk about periods, menstruation. All of our questions about the menstrual cycle will be answered. Thank you both so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, this is always fun to talk about. Um, right at the top, I just want to say, so we're talking about menstruation, the sort of physiological experience, and I think it's really important to point out and remind folks that um, not all people who get periods are female and not all people who are female get periods. So there's a whole um, spectrum of, of people for whom, you know, menstrual cycle information can apply, um, and this is really valuable for really everybody to learn. So I'm excited we're going to talk about this. Um, I've thrown out the word menstruation and menstrual cycle like it feels like 12 times already in our brief minute together. Um, but not everybody might know kind of what that word is and what I'm what I'm talking about. So I'm wondering if you can give me a rundown of what what is the menstrual cycle? What is menstruation? Yeah. So the menstrual cycle is um, also known as someone's period or that time of the month, monthly visitor. There, there's a whole list of, 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 uh, of slang terms for the menstrual cycle. But um, basically what it is, is it's a, um, it's a hormonal reaction of, of a menstruating person's body. And um, it's basically getting the uterus ready to carry a pregnancy or a fetus. Um, I, I guess on its on its most like basic function, that's what its 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 intention is to do. And um, basically, the ovaries produce estrogen, which then builds up or thickens the lining or the innermost layer of the uterus, which is also called the endometrium. 
And so what happens is, is as the estrogen builds up in a person's body, then um, that lining increases or thickens. And then when a pregnancy doesn't happen, those hormone levels fall. And um, then the layer or the endometrium loses its blood supply and then um, it it gets expelled from the uterus um, at the at the end of the that process um, and that's where the bleeding comes from it's actually a sloughing or a, like a shedding, the shedding. Of, the, yes. of the lining it's the monthly shedding of the lining that's where the blood is coming from right. So like Dr. Luellowitz is saying, it's a whole hormonal cascade and it actually starts at the level of the brain. And so it's the, we talk a little, we talked a little bit about it in the puberty um, podcast that we did, but it all starts at the level of the brain and the whole cascade starts and it, it stimulates the ovaries and the ovaries uh, release their own hormones. Your body's prepping for pregnancy. And if you don't get pregnant, that's the shedding happens. You mentioned that we did talk a little bit about this in the puberty episode way back at the beginning of the series. And um, did we in that episode talk about the average age of the first period around what age people might start to menstruate? You know, the, the, the average age is typically around age 12. I think it's like 12.4 if you want to get real exact. <laughs> right. But. If you're looking, they, they, they'll be reported in two different ways. Sometimes it's mean, which means average, and sometimes it's median. And so it's both of them, it's about 12. And it depends on where you live. There's countries that the average age is closer to 16. There's countries that the average age is closer to 11. So it does kind of depend on where you live. Yeah, and it can be considered normal anywhere from 8 to 9 up to age 16 as well. So, you know, there's going to be variation within um, within each person. Right. But if the periods come too early, that is um, something that you need to discuss with your healthcare provider because there could be a problem. Or if your periods don't come by the age of 16, then again, you need to talk with your healthcare provider because that could be signaling a problem. Yeah, the, the other thing too I would mention is that if someone is having, I guess, monthly or regular pelvic or abdominal pain, um, but they're not necessarily bleeding, that's also a good indication that maybe you should go see, um, you know, a doctor because there are conditions that can cause a person to have a menstrual cycle but not actually bleed. Um, one of them is called imperforate hymen. Um, but, um, and again, maybe that's a little bit beyond the topic of this, but if someone's having painful or just pain each month and it seems like it's rhythmic or cyclical in that nature nature then um, I would recommend getting evaluated let's talk a little bit about that um, so you mentioned sort of cyclical pain or cyclical abdominal discomfort um, and I wanted to talk about other things other uh, I don't want to say symptoms but other like experiences in the body that we feel or that happen around the menstrual cycle? Like besides bleeding, what are some other um, feelings or things people might notice that could indicate like they're about to have a period or they're like moving through their menstrual cycle? Yeah, it can be different for every person. Um, some people, they before they end up having menstrual bleeding, they can have just, you know, they can just feel bloated or feel um, uncomfortable. Um, some patients go through emotional changes. You know, they, they either feel more 
um, anxious or just, you know, emotional in general. Um, patients can have breast tenderness. Um, yeah, it's really different for each person. It, it just, it has to do with those changes in the hormonal levels um, and how they impact each person's body. Um, but, um, but yeah, those would be different things you could feel, um, you know, cramping, bloating, and emotional so, changes. Exactly. And like Dr. Luella says, some of them are, um, are simple and, you know, skin changes or increase in acne is, is a common one as well. And some of them, um, when we talk about the emotional changes, um, people throw out the term PMS or premenstrual syndrome, and that is actually a real thing. That is not, that is not in someone's head. Um, it is the fluctuating hormones that can actually impact um, impact moods, and that can actually even go to the point of people being suicidal one time a month, um, and that's called premenstrual dysphoric disorder. That is one step past premenstrual syndrome or PMS. So PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, is different than PMS or premenstrual syndrome. Um, there are other medical conditions that can be exacerba exacerbated by periods. So for example, certain seizures. There's um, something called catamenial epilepsy, meaning that, that change in hormones can actually trigger seizures in some people. There, um, there's different pain syndromes and other, other things. So periods are actually can be quite impactful in someone's life in both a positive and a negative way. If someone's period is like disruptive to their normal daily life, um, what kind of recourse, like what can we do? Can we talk to our doctors about it? You know, I think when I was younger, I really took in this message that like, yeah, you're going to be in a lot of pain for a while and you just kind of have to get through it. And you like, you go to school and maybe you can't stand up straight because your tummy hurts so much, but you just deal with it. Um, and I'm reflecting back and thinking like, oh, maybe that wasn't normal or maybe it didn't need to be that way. Like how much discomfort, how much pain is normal and how much is like concerning or something that we should try to talk to a doctor about because it doesn't maybe need to be that way. Yeah. I would say one thing, you know, what are the cramps? I think we should kind of define, because I think a lot of persons who menstruate feel cramping with their menstrual cycle. And, and really what that's happening is, is that's the uterine muscle contracting, okay? Um, there can be other um, conditions like endometriosis that can cause additional, you know, pain in the abdomen and the pelvis. But, you know, typically those, the, the typical cramps that we think of are, is, is actually going to be like the uterus contracting and then trying to expel those cells and blood out of the uterus. Um, but what is too much? I, again, that's, that's a definition that each person comes up with. And I, I think what you said earlier was that, does it impact your life? Is this something where you're missing school, you're missing work, you're missing fun events because of the pain or the side effects? I mean, beyond pain, you know, the emotional side effects, the, you know, whatever else is happening. If that's impacting your daily life and the ability to do the normal things that you would do, then I think that's when it's time to go and talk to your healthcare provider. I agree. I agree. Um, depending on how much it impacts your life, that and that's going to be different for every person. And um, don't ever hesitate to ask your healthcare provider, even if you feel like my cramps maybe aren't that bad. You can always discuss with your provider because there are things we can do about it. And 
um, for example, heavy periods is another thing that you might be feeling like, oh, my periods are really, really heavy. And that could be a reason. Sometimes we find some people have bleeding disorders and we don't know that until they have their first period and their periods are extra heavy and causing them to be anemic. Uh, anemic. So it's, it's never... Um, it's never a bad idea to talk to your healthcare provider about periods, and hopefully your healthcare provider is asking about periods as well, because that is a vital sign, just like heart rate and blood pressure. It tells us a lot about what's going on in the body. Can you tell me a little bit about heavy periods and how what amount of blood constitutes a heavy period? Like, how does someone know? How does someone know whether they're what they're experiencing is a heavy period? Um, and also, if we can talk about clots, because those can be really discons like yikesy the first time you encounter them, and and many times beyond that. So, I guess yes. What is a heavy period? How do you know whether yours qualifies as being heavy? Um, and also, what are clots? Just curious about that. Yeah, there's no great definition for what a heavy menstrual bleeding is um, or a heavy period is, but there's definitions of what is considered normal in a research setting. Um, so typically, uh, the length of a menstrual cycle is on average between, you know, five to seven days, um, like the actual length of bleeding, the um, how frequent a menstrual cycle is, is typically considered normal from 21 to 35 days. So if you have three weeks between menstrual cycles or up to um, five weeks, that's considered normal. When they measure menstrual bleeding in a research setting, they consider 80 milliliters or five tablespoons of blood to be normal for the whole cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't like a, a lot of blood when you think about five tablespoons and just, just to put that in perspective, like when you're thinking about like pad counts and like how much blood a tampon or a pad can hold, like like a regular, you know, tampon can hold about five milliliters of blood, okay? And a super could hold about 12, a light can hold about three. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're going through, you know, more than like if you were having, if you were using multiple super, you know, tampons per day, I mean, you're probably above that 80 milliliter limit pretty quick. Um, so when it comes to, like I said, defining heavy, well, that's, again, it's going to be individualized each person. Um, you know, I think when I, when I talk to patients, I think about, well, again, how is this affecting your life? You know, are you having to leave meetings because you're, you're bleeding so heavy? Are you soaking through clothes? Are you feeling dizzy, lightheaded, weakness, you know, short of breath, um, which can all be signs of anemia. And so, um, those are, those are when I, when people are telling me that those are warning signs, I'm like, Oh, this is too much bleeding. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's individualized to each person. Right. And um, so questions that are things that you should pay up, uh, pay attention to about your own cycle is how many pads or tampons do you go through in a day and how often do you have to change them? So, for example, if someone says I have to change a tampon every three hours, I'll, I'll ask, well, what would happen if you didn't change the tampon on, in three hours? Would you get some on your clothes? Because some people just change their tampon every time they go to the bathroom. That's just a habit. And it, they might be going through eight tampons a day, but it's not they that's not considered heavy it's just a, a, pre, a preference thing um, one of the more sensitive specific questions that a healthcare provider is going to ask is about what we call sometimes flooding and i'm doing air quotes which no one can see but um so flooding is will you 
um, go through a, a tampon and go onto your clothes within an hour. And that to, to me is signaling, okay, that is that is too much blood. If your periods are longer than eight days, again, that is too much blood. And in my head, that would warrant a, um, an evaluation to make sure there's not a reason that you're bleeding too much, like a bleeding disorder. Now, um, we talked a little bit about, a little earlier about um, when people have their first period, and, you know, on average age of 12 years of age. And keep in mind, it does take some time for your periods to level out. So there are um, that the first year and a half or two years or so of, of having periods. Periods can be very irregular, so falling outside that 21 to 35 day cycle, and periods can last longer than eight days um, because it's it's basically your, your, your brain ovary connection is immature and it just takes some time to figure out. So um, the fancy medical term for this is anovulatory cycles, and those periods can be just brutal. They can last for weeks at a time. They can be super um, heavy. That does not mean that's what your periods are going to be like your whole life. And that does not necessarily mean you have a bleeding disorder because the vast majority of people who have heavy periods actually do not have a bleeding disorder. Um, but it's, you know, we, we see kind of funky periods in the first couple of years and it takes, it takes some time for your body to even out. So I don't want people, you know, panicking that their periods are, you know, nine days long and once they first start or they're coming every 70 days. Again, that's, that's very common when your body is getting used to it. And those sorts of irregularities can actually come back again when a person starts to go through the menopause transition, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, but that's another time period when menstrual cycle can become much more regular, lasting different amounts of time. And that's because the ovaries are, again, that access, the brain-ovary connection is now getting disrupted because the ovaries are no longer... Um, working as they did when the person was younger. It's not immature like when you're a kid, but now it's just tired. (laughs) (laughs) Clots. What are clots? Oh, yeah. So we we need to mention that. So (laughs) clots. Um, Basically, um, when blood sits in um, any sort of area for an amount of time, it will it will clot. It will form together like jello. And um, Basically, when a patient has a clot, it's because the blood has either been sitting inside of the uterus or inside of the vagina. Um, and then it has then congealed together and gets expelled that way. Um, so clots are normal, especially if you've been laying down for a long time or sitting for a long time. And then you stand up and there's a clot there that that is that's very, very normal. Um, obviously, if you're having very large clots, that's a sign that a person's having too much bleeding with their menstrual cycle. Um, but if you were having small clots, that doesn't necessarily mean it's irregular um, because, again, it's just the blood kind of congealing or, or, or forming together. And a quick note based on what we're talking about, we keep throwing out like how much blood and how much blood. Um, like Dr. Luellowitz pointed out, um, it's only about five tablespoons spread out over the five to seven days. And when you think about that, that's 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 not that much. Um, so it's not just blood that's coming out with menstruation. You have other mucus, you're shedding that endometrial lining. Um, and so some of the some clumps and stuff could also just be some of the you know, lining and everything mixed in too. So it, whenever people, it's very common people think that they're, they're just, they're hemorrhaging out, they're bleeding so much and not everything that's coming out is blood. So, but again, talk to your healthcare provider if you have any concerns that your periods 
are abnormal. So what if if we did go to our healthcare provider to talk about either heavy periods or a lot of pain with periods? Um, you earlier mentioned skin changes and acne. Um, what are some of the options that our healthcare providers might um, suggest for us? What are what kinds of options are available? There's actually quite a few options available to patients. Um, sometimes patient or sometimes providers will provide uh, recommend NSAIDs, which is things like ibuprofen, um, which can actually help decrease um, the amount of bleeding for some patients. Typically, we recommend some form of contraception to a patient. Um, a lot of the contraceptions on the contraceptive uh, products on the market um, work. They all they work in preventing pregnancy, but in addition to that, many times they also can control a person's menstrual cycle. Um, things like birth control pills, um, the IUD, or per- particularly the progestin IUDs. The copper IUD does not help make menstrual cycles lighter. In fact, it will makes it worse. The etonogesterol implant, that also can um, help um, control patients' bleeding. Um, and then there's other medications that are kind of outside of the hormonal contraception, particularly one called transexamic acid that can be used to help with um, patients' bleeding symptoms. When it comes to acne, some of these like birth control pills um, or combined hormonal contraceptives, those can actually help with acne um, for some patients. And then um, when it comes to things like we were talking about, like um, mood disorders, um, then a lot of times SSRIs or um, combined hormonal contraception usually comes into play um, with to help with those symptoms. And just a clarifying note, like we keep saying contraception and we definitely use these methods in people who don't need pregnancy prevention. And so um, in, in my clinic, again, I, I'm adolescent clinic, so I see a lot of pediatrics. Um, just because we're, we're suggesting hormones to help with periods does not mean that um, I don't believe my patient if they're not having sex or that that's not something. So we, we write prescriptions for, um, for all the hormones. So the pill patch ring, which all have estrogen progesterone in it, or the progesterone-only options like a progestin-only pill, shot, implant, or IUD. Um, I use those as commonly for for managing menstrual cycles and so concerns about that as I do for um, pregnancy prevention. And so um, oftentimes people get confused that we are, we're prescribing contraception for that. It's basically we're prescribing the hormones that are con- commonly referred to as contraception. Yeah, and when even for patients who have are done childbearing, um, you know, and they have like their tubes removed or they have... Um, you know, their partner maybe has some other form of contraception. We still are like a vasectomy. We still use um, these different medications or hormonal medications to help control patients' menstrual bleeding. If uh, someone is using something like a combined oral contraceptive pill, birth control pill, maybe to um, to help manage some of their like period symptoms that are really tough. Uh, I know that you can, it's possible to take those pills back to back with no gap. Um, and that would effectively like skip the bleeding portion entirely. And then other folks have questions about whether that's safe to do. Is it safe to use medication to avoid bleeding at all? Um, I think that's a big question. Like if you 
think of the period as a vital sign and now we don't have it, you know, is that okay? Are periods medically necessary? That's a great question and one I, I get asked pretty much on a daily basis. So periods, if they go away because of something that I'm doing to your body, so the medication you're taking or the IUD that you have in, that's fine. There's no medical reason to have a period if it's because of something we're doing. Um, if you're not having a period, but it's not related to hormones or um, any sort of medical intervention, then that's something to be concerned about. So there's um, like, for example, we brought up the leave-in adjustral IUD. Um, some of those last for five to seven years. And some people, when we put it in, they don't have bleeding for five to seven years. And that is completely, that is completely fine. However, if you're not on any sort of hormones and your periods have not come, that can, that can be a concerning thing. And that's where a period is a is a vital sign that I need to know that it's not happening and we need to figure out why you're not having periods. Um, I guess, tell me more about that, like the concept of maybe you had a menstrual cycle or a somewhat regular cycle and like now aren't having a period, but we haven't done any interventions. There's no, um, nobody's using birth control or an IUD or anything to help manage those symptoms. What What might be happening there and why is that a concern to suddenly stop having a period? What are some of the things that might be going on? The differential diagnosis is so wide for periods that <laughs> that go away. Um, I think we talked about in the puberty episode periods that don't start in time so that they um, you don't get a, a period by a certain age or a certain amount of time after um, breast development. And the fancy medical term for that is called primary amenorrhea, meaning you've never really established periods. And what you're asking about, Jackie, is called secondary amenorrhea, where you've had periods and then they've stopped. So Dr. Luelowitz, we have a whole wide range of differential diagnoses. So why don't you start? <laughs> yeah, so one, there can be, um, well, one is is we always, in the OBGYN world, we always check to make sure someone is not pregnant, um, um, especially if they're of, of uh, childbearing ages. Um, but there's other things that can cause that, you know, infections, um, medications. So like even sometimes if you're on a different medication, not necessarily for menstrual cycles, they can affect, um, they can affect that from happening. Um, there are tumors that can prevent patients from having menstrual bleeding or menstrual cycles at all. Um, there's a condition called premature ovarian um, failure, which is rare, but again, something that can happen to patients where their periods just stop. The most common when I see, um, again, my 50% um, of what I do is reproductive health and 50% of what I do is medical management of eating disorders. And so whenever there's an energy imbalance where you're not giving your body enough energy, so either not eating enough or um, getting rid of energy via exercise or purging or whatever, um, or if you're basically your energy imbalance is off as well because you have a chronic illness and your body is using all the energy to help um, fight off that illness. Um, th that's a special kind of amenorrhea or lack of periods, and it's called hypothalamic amenorrhea because it's it's at the level of the brain, and basically the whole um, hormone cascade has stopped because your body doesn't have enough energy to do it. There's other uh, there's other um, you know that one is at the level of the brain. There's other um, places where um, the whole cycle can go wrong. So like. Um, sometimes people have something called polycystic ovarian syndrome. And with that, um, you can have irregular periods as part of that. And even though it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome, you don't have to have lots of cysts on your ovaries. It's just, that's just the name of, of a collection of symptoms. 
and but period irregularity is um, a common part of that. It's really important to know why you're not having periods. So like I said, um, a little like at the top of the program that if you're not having periods because of something I'm doing, that's different than you not having periods because of something your body's doing. And why we need to know why you're, um, what, for what reason that you're not having periods is because the downstream health consequences can be very different. So for example, um, someone with an eating disorder that's not having periods, that, um, like I said, is at the level of the brain, the hypothalamus, and downstream consequences of that include um, brittle bones or osteoporosis, where um, on the contrast, someone who's not having periods because of something like polycystic ovarian syndrome, where that's at the level of the ovaries, they're not actually at risk for the um, bone health problems. They're more at risk for um, a special kind of cancer like endometrial cancer because they're building up a lining and not shedding it. So again, um, gone are the days where, or hopefully gone are the days, I, I shouldn't be speaking for everyone, that if someone's coming in and not having periods, that we just throw them on a pill and call it a day. Because if you're not having periods, we need to know why, because the complications can vary depending on the cause. Yeah, and it's a really good idea to get seen by your provider because, again, um, as Dr. Cody was saying, you really have to look at it from, you know, you, you, you kind of look at it from different systems. You know, you go, well, is there something going on in the brain? Is there something going on with the ovaries? And then you start to look at anatomical um you know, things with like, like, again, you can actually have patients who have scar tissue inside the uterus from procedures that could end up stopping someone's menstrual cycle. So you kind of have to look at it in each system. And then you start going things, well, is there something that the patient's getting from outside, either like a medication or something else? So you really have to just kind of go through someone's whole history, look at that. And each person's different. There's not going to be like a one stop answer for or one answer that fits all for for each patient so really just good idea if all of a sudden your menstrual cycles have stopped i would recommend you go in and get seen i agree what about um irregularity so i want to ask a couple questions about this first first will be if we can maybe define what a regular versus irregular cycle is and then if someone has like previously had a fairly regular cycle can more or less, you know, knows when to expect a period and suddenly there's wild changes. Like, is that also something that you might want to check in about and get seen? So let's start with uh, what qualifies as a regular versus irregular cycle, just to get those definitions down. Yeah, so regular, the frequency of a menstrual cycle is considered regular if it's every 21 days or up to every 35 days. So the average person is somewhere around 28, okay? Um, and so, but if it's if it's every three weeks apart, that's still considered normal. Um, if it's every five weeks apart, that's also considered normal. Um, and if you're in between there, like some people, it'll be 27, you know, days this month, it'll be, you know, 32 next month. And that that's still within that range of what is considered normal. Um, but if you start to fall, outside of that, whereas like the menstrual cycle is now coming say every 14 days or every, you know, 50 days, then that's where it starts to become, this is, this is not regular. Um, and even if you started, if a person was typically every 32 days and all of a sudden it starts to shorten up and it's like, oh, now it's every 21 days. I still think that would warrant an evaluation because something may have changed. Um, but um, there can be, you know, 
different medical conditions such as you know polycystic ovarian syndrome that we talked about or perimenopause or menopause transition that i talked about that can be um changing that um and as dr cody mentioned you know stress um such as like you know athletes who are who are you know now like maybe they increase their training or something like that or um if somebody has um you know an eating disorder that has now um started or returned and those could be reasons why it's becoming so yeah again it would i again i would urge somebody to get checked out and um something when you're having bleeding when you're not expecting to have bleeding uh like dr luello has mentioned that can actually be a sign of an infection that we need to um that we need to treat so again that is something that we should explore if it's a change and like i said before remember um the first year and a half of having periods or first year and a half or two um, years, it is actually very common to have irregular periods. Again, never a bad idea to um, to talk with your doctor about it, but oftentimes we're not as concerned if you fall into that, that time period where it's considered um, basically an immature brain ovary connection. I'll also put a plug out for our patients who are past menopause, and we'll get into menopause mm-hmm. here in a minute. But yes, a you will, while, because I, I will not be helpful with menopause. Let's talk about <laughs> the pediatrician talking about menopause. That is not my jam. But um, <laughs> but it's basically menopause is defined as having no menstrual cycles for one year. And if anyone does notice bleeding after they've gone through menopause, that's also a reason to call your physician um, right away. That can be, there's a couple things. There's, 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 you know, one of the more serious things being is endometrial cancer that somebody could be at risk for. Um, but there's other causes that are not malignant that do cause bleeding in postmenopausal patients as well. So I'd love to talk more about how periods can change over the lifetime, because I'm hearing that in the very beginning of starting to menstruate, it takes a little time um, for the body to kind of settle into a groove and more of a regular cycle. And then as we age, um, periods can change again. And I'm, I'm hoping we can talk a little bit more about sort of the beginning to end the variants that people can expect, and if there are other life events that can cause big changes in menstruation as well. Yeah, um, so throughout a person's life, the, the, their, their menstrual cycle can definitely vary. Um, and, and some of the changes that can happen with that, which we've kind of mentioned is, you know, physical activity. Another thing can be weight, right? Did, did weight fluctuate, which then can, can um, affect menstrual cycles? Um, actually, you know, adipose cells or, or fat cells actually do produce estrogen. And so that can be a cause sometimes of patients having, you know, higher levels of estrogen, which then can affect the lining of the, of the uterus. Um, medications such as blood thinners. Sometimes I'll have patients who, you know, they were like, my period was always like this, and then I had a baby, and now it's different. And, um, you know, if it's still within that normal range, but let's say it's lighter or maybe slightly heavier, then we usually don't get overly concerned. But if there is there if there's something else where they're having like bleeding in between their periods, we call it intermenstrual bleeding, um, then we get more concerned. Patients sometimes after, um, as they get older, they can develop things like, they're, they're called polyps, which are a little bit like an overgrowth of the, um, 
of the, the lining of the uterus, and then those can give patients irregular bleeding um, or even potentially just heavier bleeding. And then, as I mentioned earlier, there's that menopause transition, which women can experience where they're just, the, the, they'll have maybe, you know, a cycle every three months or, you know, and then, and then it just becomes very random. And so throughout a person's lifetime, that can definitely change. And it's, it's, there's a whole slew, as we've, as we've kind of alluded to in all of our menstrual talks here, is that there's just many different reasons as to why that can be happening. One common thread I'm kind of hearing too is like, know your body and know what feels normal and typical for you and don't be ever afraid to ask questions if something feels like it's different or off and you can't quite get your head around why. Like it's always good to just check in if anything has big has changed, if you have any concerns. It is great advice. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I guess one, you know, I said we would touch on menopause. Maybe this is the right time to do that. But um, yeah, so, so as I mentioned earlier, Menopause is is um, basically defined as no menstrual bleeding for one year. Um, it typically in the United States happens at about age 52, um, but it can vary. Um, any time after age 45 is considered normal. Um, if it happens prior to the age of 45, then that's when patients. Um, we would work them up for multiple, again, that's secondary amenorrhea, and then we work them up for those conditions. Um, and there are patients who do actually go through menopause early, and that's premature ovarian failure. Um, and so that's, that is a, a particular condition that just the ovaries have stopped working earlier than expected. Um, there's a lot of changes that can happen to a patient's, you know, to patients when they're going through this transition. They can, you know, have hot flashes. They can notice um, vaginal dryness, um, emotional changes, just not feeling like themselves. That's that's probably the most common thing that I get is patients come in saying, "I just don't feel right." And again, it's uh, this loss of those hormones that have been there for their whole life, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. Um, well, maybe not all of a sudden, but over time it's gone and now they just don't feel quite right. So for patients who've gone through that, again, I won't, I won't spend tons of time going through, um, you know, what you do for patients with menopause, but when, you know, we can give patients hormones after they've gone through menopause transition to help them feel regular again. Again, that has to be done or should be done under the supervision of a physician because there are some risks associated with doing that for patients, um, particularly heart disease and cancer and things like that. So, um, and risk for, for stroke and things like that. Thanks to Dr. Cody and Dr. Lewellwitz for that very thorough conversation about the menstrual cycle. So after listening to that whole episode, you might be thinking, uh, what about menstrual hygiene products? How could you miss such a big part of periods? Well, we hope you can join us for our next episode, which will be a special bonus all about menstrual hygiene. We will cover the variety of products available, how to choose what's a good fit for you, and cover a few extra questions about body image while we're at it. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. 
You can listen to the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle at W-I-S-C-O-B-G-Y-N. Let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us in your podcast app and let us know what issues you'd like to learn about at the link in our episode description. Thanks for listening.